Hello and welcome to Sacramento Musicology podcast dedicated to interviewing the Sacramento creative people. And um, today on the podcast we have Jabron Maciel. Jabron is a podcaster himself. He also is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor. It's the first time on this podcast that we've interviewed someone who's not a musician. Uh, he's an entrepreneur. He's a creative guy. He's got a lot to say, as you will see. The conversation goes all over the place, and it's, it was a fun time catching up with him again. Um, once again, please subscribe to Sacramento Musicology. Share, listen, download, and uh, stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by Luna's Cafe, established in 1983 in Sacramento, California. Luna's Cafe serves the fine, freshest juices and liquidos in town, nothing frozen or concentrated. Luna's menu also includes sandwiches, salads, the world-famous quesadilla, fresh ground coffee, mochas, and other espresso drinks. A nice selection of beer and wine is offered to be, so be sure to stop by in the evenings for live music, open mics, and wonderful entertainment from one of Sacramento's most prominent cultural hubs. Luna's Cafe is located 1414 16th Street, Sacramento, California. Gibran Maciel. Hey, brother. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is exciting. It's always a good time when I get to talk to you. Yeah, I know. I miss talking to you. Yeah, I've known you for three years now. Yeah, I guess so. No, maybe more. The three, four years. When you came over with uh, Phil Norton. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We did a concert on your first podcast, which was, what was that one? That was Sacktown Talks. That's Sacktown Talks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was cool, man. Yeah. That was cool. You were were rolling with the Fontaine Classic back then. Yeah. 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 And so we did, um, we did. uh, And you were doing stand-up comedy. I was doing, you know, that was, that was, that was my wife's thing. That was my wife Haley's thing. Um, you were going to I, class. I was going to class. Yeah. I actually enjoyed that process. Yeah. As, as a way to do something new and as a way to do some writing. Yeah. And I didn't realize, um, I didn't realize just how much, like how cathartic it would be in terms of, um, I started writing about my own experience as an immigrant and kind of being caught between two cultures and some of the funny things that could come out of that yeah and i just had no idea how much was there for me personally Uh uh-huh and then how much was also uh relatable to people sure you you know what i mean yeah Um, especially in california yeah especially in california and i and i think that um the the idea that there's so much there that you didn't know like in your subconscious floating around yeah that you could turn into like writing and make and and turn into to comedy yeah you know there's so much in our brains that we're just not aware of yeah no it's 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 lurking back there yeah it's lurking back there you know i was gonna walk down that road a little bit which road uh the the stand-up comedy road yeah. i really wanted to do it maybe um i think the last three years that you've known me i've had this sort you've of you've gone through a lot of different yeah tried out a lot of different stuff yeah yeah, yeah that's really yeah. what i was that's really what i was doing and we can kind of sort of get into yeah, my own process for so just sort of how I've been sort of discovering what I want to do and things like that. Yeah, totally. Uh, 
But um, what's interesting, you know, and I had this kind of had this sort of thought also when I was like um, looking for jobs because <laughs> I had this like very spotty employment history. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm best off when I'm working for myself is what I've really what I found. Best off. Yeah. Yeah. Working for myself. But um, what's interesting is like when you apply to a job or when you have and I'll bring this back to the stand up comedy thing or when you have an, uh, an interview or a second interview with a job. You can kind of like, it's like standing, it's like going on a hike and standing in a fork in the road and you can kind of look down that road a little bit mm. and be like, oh, what if I started walking down that path? Mm. You know, like I was, um, interesting. So I, I, I don't know if everybody does that. I don't do that. Yeah. I don't think I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'm that aware of what the future would be like. How, how do you, you playing yeah. out like an avatar of yourself in the future? Yeah. Right? Like what would happen if I started walking down? The, I mean, you know, yeah. when I was, when I was leaving the, I was, I worked in the state capital uh, for seven years and ultimately I think uh, temperamentally it was not a good fit for me. Um, and we're, we're not going to get into politics, but just sort of just my professional and personal growth. Mm-hmm. Um, you learned a lot about just life working at the capital for seven years and I thought that's what I was going to do, but I just kept finding like failure to advance professionally. Mm-hmm. And I think it really had more to do with, um, with my temperament. I have an entrepreneurial temperament and an artistic temperament, not like a conformity type of temperament. And, you know, politics is not a great place for staffers to work in, um, for people to work in that want to make a name for themselves. It's a great place for you to work in if you're trying to like boost someone else up. Sure. And it's not a great place to work in if you want to advance your own ideas and thoughts and opinion. You know, it's yeah. it's you're really in service of someone else, and which is okay. You know, it's public service, and and the people that 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 work there, you know, hats off to them. I did that for seven years, but I remember I was I was in this interview process with the American Civil Liberties Union. You know, again, not not to get into politics, but just to tell you what this sure. process was for yeah, me. Yeah. And they had us do like these essays, and they had us do like this like um like what would how would you attack this issue? How would you attack that issue? And yeah. they have you write out like their like just your strategy, right? And for me, it was just like, man, what if I do like, what if I do become the ACLU lobbyist in town? What if I do this? What if I do, you know, what if, what if this becomes my path? I start looking in the, you know, kind of like looking down that road. It's like, oh wow, I can, you know, maybe I want to do it, maybe I don't want to do it. But you can really, you hit these like forks in the road, or you hit these experiences, and it lets you kind of peer down the road into what that might look like. Yeah. And you, you know, and then, you know, for this job or for that job or for this experience or for that experience, same thing with the stand-up comedy. You know, at the time I just gotten started podcasting. I had just really, um, at the time I think I was working at Imprenta, but I was really starting to figure out that I was probably going to be an entrepreneur. I was probably going to be self-employed. And the, so Haley was just like, yeah, take a stand-up comedy class. Why not? You know, mm-hmm. my wife. And, um, I did the, I did the eight, I think it was four or eight weeks, the class at the Sacramento comedy spot. And then I did the, I did the stand up thing, um, you know, like live or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I, I don't know. Haley was like, you were good. You were like legitimately good. And my buddies came by and they were like, oh, you were really good. So I was like, okay, so if I'm going to, you know, look at this fork in the road and say, all right, I'm going to be balls deep into this comedy thing. Yeah. If that's what I'm going to do, um, what does walking down that road look like, right? Uh-huh. So I started joining all these comedy groups. Like, oh, you got to hit open mics. You got to, you know, you just kind of got to walk down that road. You got to hit open mics. Yep. You got to like write, 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 yep. edit, 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 and then figure out where your spots are, figure out where your tags are, figure out where your punchlines are. But more than anything, you just have to hit these open mics over and over and over and yeah. over again. So I started making this list of open mics in town, you yeah. know? And then yeah. they said, too, like, you want to go to tough open mics. You want to go to hard yeah. open mics, right? Like, so if you're going to be... I'm like a Mexican-American with like a story about immigration. 
I was like, oh, I'm going to go to play. I'm going to go to like touch a class like Playmakers, the black club in South Sacramento. Uh-huh, 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 you know, like uh-huh. <laughs> what do they care about? Immigration yeah, tale. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I was, I was like, let me let me see so, if I can go uh, into a tough room. Before you go any further yeah. on this story. So a couple of things that I, I was curious about is this the nonconformity nature yeah, yeah. of your personality. You think that's something that that you're born with? You think that's something that you're like just born mm-hmm. like or, or, or what, what, any ideas? I don't know. You know, yeah. I don't know. I honestly... If I'm gonna if I'm gonna be honest, like I've just. Um, you think that's part of being an entrepreneur? Maybe too, is like you know not really yeah. wanting to, like you said, boost somebody else's career. Yeah. You kind of want to boost your own. You know, there's probably a couple things. Like if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be honest, and like the more I look into like the more I look into. Like the more I really understand myself as I grow older, I think a lot of it is just yeah. born out of like, bad socialization. <laughs> you know, like we had like this sure. big Mexican family, uh, single mom. And then between the brothers and the, you know, between my sister and then like all the cousins and there's just like a real lack of resources. Um, you know, I didn't, re- you know, we didn't really grow up socialized to American norms. There was no, there was no one to show you the way cause we had just gotten here. And so I was just kind of like, there was never a plan for anything that we ever did. Yeah. We just kind of, okay, now it's time for you to go to high school. Now well, it's time for you to go to college. Well, I think oftentimes immigrants are entrepreneurs. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. But you kind of have that. to figure stuff out for yourself. Sure. It's like, part of that nature. I yeah. Think. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'll, I'll just give this quick, this quick example. Yeah. Um, and then I, I don't know if it fits in exactly with what you're saying, but, but to me, maybe it does is, uh, I remember I wanted to try out for like the, f- the football team in high school. Okay. And so when like the first day of school, I was like, walked over to the athletic director. I was like, Hey, I'd like to, you know, try, try yeah. out for the football team. And he's like, well, we were practicing over the summer. Where were you over the summer? Uh-huh. And I was like, dude, how was I so, this was like pre-internet. It was like the early 2000s. Uh-huh. Like, the, you know, we yeah. didn't, we didn't have a, a computer at the house at least. And Mission Bay high school didn't have his stuff on the internet at the time. You know yeah. what I mean? So I was like, well, how was I supposed to know that you guys were practicing over the summer? You know, yeah. maybe you if didn't my, know anybody or no, like maybe if my parents or maybe if like or my family kid, was another here, kid told you, no, no, maybe if my family was here for like five generations, you know, in Mission mm-hmm. Bay, that would just be something that was ingrained in the culture. It's like, oh, yeah, the, you know, the spring, the fall sports practice over the summer. I had no idea. How would I know? Who, mm-hmm. Where is it written down? Mm-hmm. Certainly wasn't written down anywhere in the middle school. Really? You know? They weren't telling you in, in like high no school one, classes? Nobody like, told me. Nobody you, you told me. To nobody told me. I had no idea. Freshman. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. So already I got started off with the, you know, on uh, kind of on the wrong foot with the with the football team in high school. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's okay. I showed up on time, you know, ready to go and stuff, and overcame that hurdle. But it was kind of just like this, like recurring sort of theme in our family, where it's like the youngest generation kind of didn't have anybody to really show them the way. Sure. You know. Sure. And that has like a that has a varying spectrum of consequences to it. You, you think know? that results in personalities yeah that results in i think some personality where it's like well i gotta i gotta do this on my own i gotta you know what i mean like yeah um and it also results in um you know in some humor and some tragedy and some yeah. uh, you know in some personality quirks yeah uh it definitely results in in your temperament and stuff you know my cousin uh my, my cousin oscar threw himself off the golden gate bridge about three years ago you know that is not a that is not a that's not a humorous thing right but you know when i found out I had re I had um, I'd gotten a call from my dad, and he's like, "Hey, you know Anna's here in San Francisco. You're in Sacramento. Might you drive over and be with her? They just found Oscar's body." I was like, "Yeah, fuck." I, you know, I how long was Oscar in Sa- in San Francisco for? He's like, "Oh, five years." I was like, "Well, I'm just down the road in Sacramento. He's been you here didn't for know? F- no, I didn't know. Like, you know, so huh. this is what I'm saying. It's like the family. We're we're immigrants, and then every adult parental node in the family had a divorce." Uh-huh. 
So there's no institution. There's no we all get together on the 4th of July for gotcha. the last 30 years. Gotcha. There's no my father's father had this ring and gave it to me. You know, there's, no, there's none of that. There's no... There's no institu- yeah, there's no yeah, institutional yeah. memory in the family. Yeah. I didn't even know my cousin was was living in San Francisco for five years just down the road. You know, I didn't know he was lonely. I didn't know he was depressed. I didn't know he was having trouble making ends, making ends meet. I didn't know that he was like struggling. Were you close? Did you know him as a kid? No, be- well, not really, because she was the you know Oscarito was he was like the uh, he was a, like a cousin from from Anna's second. Uh, marriage so like a second or third yeah cousin? like a second or third cousin. to me it's all family right like if i know you like my family you're my family right yeah. like certainly if he would have reached out or something but yeah i guess the the picture that i'm trying to paint is um you know who talks about this a lot too is chamath palihapitaya he's this like social social capital mm-hmm. uh venture capitalist guy who's a um one of the founders of facebook as well mm. um he just kind of talks about these immigrant kids kind of grown up with like a little bit of a chip on their shoulder it's like there's no one here to show me the way i gotta figure this out on my own yeah and that i could imagine that just is gonna lead to some anxiety yeah some anxiety yeah. you know some you know we grew up with like the lights getting turned off on us so there's like some poverty mentality there's some like i don't know where my next dollar is coming from um and that that was with me up until the very the very you know up until very recently you yeah know? So, so i hope that answers your question it does I'm it does trouble, you know I want to keep going with this. With yeah. this. this, so when you're talking about making the decision about like what life would be like in the future, mm-hmm. like playing out these scenarios in your head, yeah, because um, I think that a lot of people struggle with that. Like a yeah, lot of people yeah. struggle with like how to make a decision, yeah, yeah, and like go all in on something, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, how do you do that? How do you think about about making those decisions? Yeah, yeah, I, you, you know? know. So for me, um, it sounds like you think about them pretty in depth before you yeah i try to think about the pros and cons like so going back to the stand-up comedy thing um i just i had so you know for me i had a lot going on already you know like as you know i'm a very dedicated brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, practitioner yeah. now i have my own school isak yeah. bjj and so at the time i was just like well i've been doing jiu-jitsu for 10 years it's really part of who i am that's really what i do with my evenings yeah. um i can't really Sorry. Yeah. I can't really not go to jujitsu one evening and decide to like go to an open mic night. You know so what I mean? You were going to try to do both. Yeah. I was just like, well, I want to. Have I, you heard the Russian proverb, uh, chase two, chase two rabbits, catch neither. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it yeah. just, it just didn't work out with my schedule, with my schedule. I wanted to get my black belt first. I, there was like stuff that I wanted to accomplish in jujitsu yeah. before I took on another project, if you will. Yeah. And, um, so I was just like, just for the schedule for right now, I just, you know, was contemplating opening my school and I was like, you know, if if I want to open my school, I don't want to go up on stage and eat a dick. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be fun. I don't Mm -hmm. want to, I don't want to be bad at stand up comedy. That's not going to be, you know what I mean? And you'll be bad for years, right? You'll be bad for years. Yeah. But I mean, you're also, you're going to stay bad if you don't give it the time that it deserves. Right. You know, and I I talk about this with my jujitsu students all the time. It's like, guys, this is not, jujitsu is a bad fit in terms of a social activity to dabble in because uh-huh. you're wrestling people, uh-huh. right? So the idea that you're going to like do it once a week and have fun with your new friends yeah. is insane, yeah. right? Yeah. The people that really do jujitsu and really get something out of it are the three to six times a week crowd. Uh, but I would argue that well, applies to everything in life. No, I think, you know? that, I think there's, there's some things that are a little bit more forgiving. Well, some maybe social, like dabbling, like 
Like a, when, I don't know. Like, well, Haley like what I, would you be example? We did this like baseball league. We did this like softball league. Oh yeah. It doesn't matter if you lose. Yeah, you know, yeah, you go, yeah. you go with the cooler. You have a few beers. You just kind of dabble. But those are, but but those are different activities. I would say. You yeah. Know? yeah like, it's, but, I think to get good at anything, you do have to be extremely committed. Yeah. And and expect that you'll be bad for a while, and and there'll just be ups and downs, lots of failure. I mean, in yeah, music, yeah. like I've been playing music for 20 years and it's like, it's the same thing. We're like, just always pushing. Right. You know? But you give it, you give it the hour a day. Oh, yeah. I mean, more, sometimes like more, at least, yeah. you know. You yeah. know what's funny is I've been playing around with like establishing, re- establishing and reestablishing practice. So like, you have a set time with your school, right? You're like, yeah. 11 o'clock this morning, right? 11 o'clock class. this morning, yeah. 6 p.m., yeah. Yeah. And so that's nice, and and I'm I'm trying to get more along along those lines where it's like six o'clock, even though it's just me, I'm only accountable to myself. But I go inside and run scales or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, but you, I th- you've got to do that. Yeah, you, you have to. to. You have yeah, to. yeah. But I also love it, you know. So it's yeah. like. Well, maybe there's some freedom in knowing that you can sit down when it's right for you, and you're in the right mood, and totally. your, your brain chemistry is the right way. So, one thing I've been thinking about, which I'm curious, if you have any thoughts on this, is like playing with limitations. Hmm. So, like, w- so now sometimes when I practice, I'll be like, well, I'm only gonna practice this. Oh yeah. Way or this part, or I'll practice just singing, no yeah. guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So establishing a limitation, I'm sure you've done that with your class. That's all we do. That's all we That's do. That's all you do. That's all. We, so, um, you know, just going. Just staying on on Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for a little bit. There's one of the things that I that I love about Jiu-Jitsu is how many metaphors for life are contained in the practice of the art. Um, but just quickly to wrap up the the, the last point about not, I don't want to do something and suck at it. Uh-huh. I just didn't. I just knew that I wasn't gonna have the time commitment for for comedy. Yeah. So I was kind of okay. thinking like you know maybe I'll just yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in my back pocket just until I know that I can really give it the time. You know. Yeah. Uh, so for now, like my goals are I want to get my black belt. I want to get the school. You know, the school, there's no one to say that I have to be there every day at the school. Once I've achieved a certain level of sort of prestige, Bef- I can have an assistant, I can have an assistant coach, right? So Before like, we leave that comedy thing yeah. real quick, because you, you mentioned you had like a number of years in jujitsu yeah. and comedy, you were going to be uh, brand new, right? Yeah. Was that like, was that scary to you or was it like... Exciting. It was exciting to be yeah. new? To be new? Yeah, you, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like the, the white belt. The men, oh yeah, yeah. The white belt mentality. The yeah. cool thing about being the white belt is that you can learn from some from everybody in the room. There's something that everybody can teach you because yeah. you know the least, you yeah. know. And then like learning new, learning a new art. That's what keeps you young in your brain and your and, and yeah. your and in your soul. I think I, I thought that was exciting. Could you the, imagine socializing with comedians though? Like was that would that that be was a, one of the things that kind of turned me off at night. You know, yeah, it's dark out. Alcohol's getting passed around. Like that lifestyle is way different than Brazil. That was honestly one of the things that kind of turned me off about it. I bet. If dude. I'm gonna be yeah. honest, well, it one, turns me like, off about music. One's like I'm, yeah. I don't spend enough time with my wife and my family already. Um, you know, it's like why do I need to be in these strange, in these strange smoky, ro- you know, like mm-hmm. ju- in these strange smoky rooms, kind of like back slapping and doing this industry stuff. You know, I did a couple of open mics and I saw all the comedians like fake getting to know each other but a lot like there's a lot of backstabbiness in a lot of these industries you know yeah yeah and i was yeah. like man is this a group of people that i really want to hang out with entertainment like, no. business is cutthroat yeah yeah cutthroat. like like really yeah. i just wanted to share a story about my soul <laughs> and I, I yeah i didn't want to like you know and then as i as i sort of evaluated a lot of these things I was like well do i want to be like the mexican comedian do i want to do you know like do you know the entertainment so quick to pigeonhole you into into 
yeah into and, these things and i just like, didn't want to do that and then to to move to, to like put out a put out an hour like yeah. say you put out an hour of comedy and then your next hour it's totally different. What would the relationship between be yeah. between that hour and the first hour, and how would you change in your career? Right. Like people will throw you out the window like quick. Yeah, people do that with music I, too. Well, like, I found that in podcasting for myself too. Really? Yeah. So, but let, let, let's let's unpack these topics one at a time. Um, the because um, you did Sacktown talks. I did Sacktown talks. I did another one called Life in Jiu-Jitsu before that, which was just all Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, over just mostly, I found the entertainment industry people weren't people. You know weren't people that I really wanted to hang out with. I felt like a lot of these people were like putting on shticks. Like, oh, I'm like the old white guy, you know, I'm like the I'm the fiery little Asian lady, you know, I'm I'm the big black guy that's with the gregarious voice. Where it's like nobody's soul is that singular. You know, right, like right, pe- right. people are right. like there's depth to people, you know. Right, and right. but you know, and this is one of the things that I find with like Instagram accounts too. It's like um Instagram accounts, yes. social media like social media platforms you know, people are looking for like a a la carte entertainment in terms of like, well, I have some camping interests. I have some music interests. I have some, you know, beautiful scenery interests. I have yeah. like, um, interests in, you know, skylines, whatever. You mean right? when you're searching for yeah, an just account? Yeah, just on Instagram. You know, when just, you just, go to the search yeah, and you're when like, you just, just you're uh-huh. just, you're inter- what you want to see online, uh-huh. right? So it's like, you have an interest for like uh, camping in nature, right? Uh-huh. So if you add an Instagram account, because that's the camping and nature Instagram account, and they start tell, talking to you about their feelings. You're like, "Whoa, what the heck is this? Get out of here with this!" this is, I, I follow you for mm. camping and nature, right? No, you know, right? Um, I find I have my personal Instagram account, but I also have the Instagram account for my for my school, East Sac BJJ. East Sac BJJ has a singular focus: it's Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. It's me showing moves. It's the progress of my students, yeah. and it's hey, come get motivated, come to class. I think but it's that, one focus. Yeah. It, it, just to quickly wrap this up, go ahead. Um, People seem to respond to that one focus right. more than anything else, but it's tough to be that same person over and over and over again. Uh, oh, yeah. It's like, impossible. It's impossible, yeah. But I also think that the reason... It's like a commercial. It's like mm-hmm. an old TV commercial. Mm-hmm. An Instagram account is like an old TV commercial where you the commercial comes on, it's advertising for this specific thing, yeah. and that's it, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, so, you know, I, I just found that, like... Um, uh, yeah, I just, I, I was just kind of, um, I, I just wanted to put my focus in other areas. With regards to practicing with limitations, I think that's a really interesting question. Yeah. Um, the quickest metaphor that comes to mind is is boxing. So I'm a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. I'm equally a boxer. Like, I, I know I, I boxed as long as I've been grappling. Um, you know, I was supposed to be an MMA fighter, and then I just never, I never really went down that road. You know, I, mm-hmm. I had a couple fights, and I was just like, no thanks. I won the fights, but I was just like... No thanks. No thanks. And, you know, talk more about that. But um, the first round of sparring when you're in a boxing practice, the first, you know, the most important uh, punch is the jab. It's the least committed. It's the fastest one. It's your range finder. It's your offense. It's like your first offensive probe. It's also what you end the combination with oftentimes to ensure that nothing comes back at you. What you end it with? Yeah, what you open it and what you op- uh-huh. what you open the combination with and what you end it with a lot of times is a, is a jab. Uh-huh. They talk about opening a window and closing a window. Uh-huh. So like you open a window with a jab, you throw your combination, you close it with the jab. Oh, cool. So your jab is your lead hand going all as far forward as it can with a step forward or a step backward. Um, but what that does is it hides your chin behind your shoulder. Uh, it gets your shoulder up uh, and protects your jawline. And it just positions you nicely to be to start being offensive or to or or to defend, right? Right. But the jab is the most important it's the it's the weakest punch because it has the least rotational body movement behind it you're not like winging like your backhand you're just kind of flicking your front hand 
but it's the most important because it's what you can get out there the quickest, right? Yeah. So every every time we would spar with Coach Joey, he was always like, first round jab only, first round jab only, jab Just only. one one punch. Yeah. Now you can throw no it to combos. the you can throw it to the body. You can throw two jabs. You can Shit. throw three jabs. You can switch your stance and throw a jab with the other hand. You can, you know. Wow, I'm gonna like use it. So I've been when this is not a podcast studio, yeah. I've been shadow boxing in here and trying to get back into some Muay Thai. Yeah. Just shadow boxing. And holding the tennis ball, yeah, in the in the in the that little pocket right there, something I'm working on. Mm-hmm. But I'm totally gonna use that. Yeah, it's three jabs. minutes. Three minutes of jab. Three minutes only. of jabs only. Yeah. And so and then. So with, what's yeah? What's the, the so the limitation there is only throwing jabs that first yeah. round, and yeah. and what does that add to your practice? Like, really educating your jab. Yeah. You're really educating your jab, and then seeing the jab coming, and then um, you, you know, a lot of times you have to take away. I think the tools that you're best at to, to hone everything else. So we have this, uh, your strengths. Yeah. I mean, I have in my, in my Brazilian jujitsu practice, I have this kid, um, I have this kid, Gabe, just, this kid is an athlete, man. He's a lion, you know, he's a 20 year old kid, uh, wrestled, you know, all growing up. He's six foot something, 200 pounds. I mean, this kid is a lion, right? But he's wild. You know, he uses his athleticism, you know, to, to fight. And so he initiates these scrambles that are beyond his ability to thoughtfully see through because yeah. his physical ability is past his technical ability. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, so he's, you know, when he's sparring with other it's white belts, like you're, you're talking, but you're not saying anything. Yeah, exactly. So like he's, when he's sparring with these other white belts through yeah. sheer, through, through sheer physicality and his ability to be big and strong and to move quickly, he yeah. is able to like win these exchanges. Sure. But he doesn't realize how much danger he's putting himself in because his movements are, they're fast, but they're not focused and they're not, and they're really like reckless all the time. So he'll leave his arm out, he'll leave his neck out, uh-huh. whatever. And I was like, Gabe, like this is not, you know, like this is going to work for maybe white and blue belt. But as you go up the spectrum of skill, the purple belts, the brown belts, certainly the black belts are going to catch you because you're being, because you're not, you're unfocused. You're not, you're moving faster than you can, th- than you, than you're able to think right now. Yeah. So I told him like, you know, this, these exercises that we do are not an invitation to be wild. You know, if you're going to beat this guy's ass, beat his ass using the least amount of movement possible because every movement that you do that you're not like totally aware of and it's not totally intentional is also vulnerability. So kind of slow it down and beat people slow. We know you're fast. You know you're strong. We know you have like these fast twitch muscles. Beat people with as little movement as possible, you know. And this is just in general like a, a limitation that I like to use. Yeah. So that you can get your... Is this m- also like a, a, a practice on fundamentals too and like not yeah. skipping that? Yeah, he needs, his, he needs his fundamentals. Well, this is not harsh on Gabe, but like yeah. in general, like honing those, those fundamentals and, or making, it up, making up for with your athleticism. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that can be a curse. Yeah. Yeah. You're be yeah. Like, you know, because you'd be like, well, I, I got through the first five years. Yeah. You know, beating people's asses with just my athleticism. Great. Yeah. Well, it's it's the five years on the back and end. And athleticism also something that deteriorates. It fades. Yeah. Yeah. It fades. Yeah. So, you know, other limitations that I like to play with are uh, matching my opponent's strengths, if, if, if you could consider that a, a limitation, by which I mean if I just to really get the most out of my training, to really, really get the most out of my training, I'll try and, like, before a sparring round, I'll try and um, – understand my next sparring partner's strengths okay so, so you, if he's, you know his strength is he's quick right if he's what quick is, i try to be quick with him okay if he's if he's quick i try to match him move for move speed for is speed, that like scramble a, is for that scramble. a mental thing where yeah. this guy's like okay this is my thing 
and now Jabron's doing my thing. Yeah, not only that, or but it's like, like I know if I'm being quick with the quickest guys, then I can then I'm I'm get like if I'm if he's like super quick, but he's quick because he's small and maybe not as strong as me. I'm a little bit of a bigger guy. Uh-huh. I'm not gonna get as much of my train as much out of my training if I'm just pinning him down and not allowing him to be quick, right? Sure. So if I'm going with a small guy that's super quick, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna like let go of my strength for this round and be small and quick with him. Right. You know, right, that's the right. that's the most that's the most I can get out of this round. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be quick with him. Yeah. If I go with a guy that's like really strong. I'm like, all right, we're gonna use our strength here because he's really strong. And that's the idea of like being being like a master at something, and and then rolling in this case with someone who's not as good, but still like getting something, taking out of it. something from that experience. Absolutely. Like, I mean, yeah. honestly, that and that you kind of hit the nail on the head. As you get, as you walk down, you know, you, you as a musician too, like not everybody can not everybody can jump in here and do scale for scale with you if you've been doing this for 20 years, right? So you need to find a way to get something out of everybody. To, to make it productive for everybody involved. Sure, you know, productive, not just, but, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And it's also like, for my partners, uh, if I'm if I'm just p- pinning the little guy down and not letting him uh, not letting him move, you know, because yeah. I'm going to use my strength and not letting him express his strength, then he's not getting anything out of it either. Sure. So sure. It's, you kind of want to like take a step back and not, not try to win every exchange, yeah. but try to like get something, get something out, of out of it for, for yourself and then also for your partners. I love it. Yeah. Can, can, we, can we talk about Sacktown Talks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. That was a passion project of mine. Yeah. Um, this is what I, how I first met you, Sacktown Talks yeah. podcast, and at the time we were talking about music that podcast. Yeah, and then it and then it, it seemed like it, was it originally meant to be a political podcast? Or was no, it, you know that went through several iterations, and that kind of goes back to what we're talking about in terms of finding an audience. Yeah, and sort of like people want to, sort of pigeonhole you, and it's like, what are we talking about here? What what's the, what's the um. The Instagram you're you're talking about yeah the Instagram, the Instagram thing where it's like where people just want you to be one thing you know what, what I mean is so that? yeah yeah I mean what, does just, that bother you or it bothers me a little bit I I've just kind well, of Joe Rogan is the total opposite of that right yeah Rogan's the opposite you know I mean yeah. there are some people that are lucky enough to be able to kind of put themselves in that in, in that you know in that very lofty sort of yeah sort of perch but you know he did that it took him years to do that it took sure. him years and he and he had several platforms. Right. So for a lot of times he had to be like the fight, just the fight guy in the UFC commentary. A lot of times he had to be just the comedian, you know, and he took all these different platforms and he merged them into his podcast. And it was like the freest and open, most open and most unconstrained environment possible. Oh, I see. Um, So Sacktown Talks was just this idea that I had for a podcast that um, was basically, hey, let's just talk to interesting people from around town. Maybe people will get to know me through it. I can have cool conversations. And at the time, there seemed to be this... um, this feeling in Sacramento that we're up and coming, that we're growing. And if I could like kind of capture that audience of, you know, civil, civil society yep. uh, that's interested in hearing about how we're this like wonderful and burgeoning and eclectic place to live, that I could get some, some sponsorship, you know, uh, money behind it, how wrong I was. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just kind of started. Why were you wrong about that? You know, if you don't have a name recognition, if you don't have a platform already, you know, I mean, the, you know, there's just going to be a couple hundred people listening finding sponsors for podcasts is really difficult one on a technical side um no one really knows how many people are, are listening yeah your downloads aren't a true reflection of your audience because there can be like network translation issues where you can have like double downloads that aren't counted uh-huh. or you can have a download go to a single server and that server beams out five thousand beams out five thousand copies but it only counts as one download yeah on the 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 metrics are really really hard to to really wrap your head mm-hmm. around um not only that, um, the you know the agencies that sponsor podcasts, 
they do tie it to these, you know, iTunes or these Apple podcast, these Apple music metrics and these Apple podcast metrics. And they say, okay, so for every 10,000 people listening, you can make a buck 70. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, great. Well, I need, you know, 4 million people to listen. Yeah. You know, so it's just tough to break through, you know, to that broad based audience. Right. Um, But I feel like there's so many other benefits to talking to people. Yeah. I I just had to adjust my expectations. Yeah. Yeah. I just had to adjust my expectations and, and then ask myself, is this still worth doing? And the answer was yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've made money. Like, let me be clear. I've made money on podcasting. It's just come in different ways. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, we can come, yeah. You know, we can come to that in a little while. But so you originally you started out with this idea of, hey, let's interview kind of what I'm doing. Creative, interesting people. You like From talking. Town. Yeah. You like talking. And then political. Yeah. So I had this. So, I, you know, I worked. Like you I said, pe- I worked. No, I worked in the Capitol for right. for seven years. So that was always a, you know, what's interesting about about political work is that it doesn't really it's kind of like learning to ride a bike, you know, um, it's, it's kind of formulaic ambition counters ambition. There's different power centers that are struggling for, you know, the acquisition application and retention of power that is never changing. Right. Um, it's not that hard. That's so true. It's not that hard. Right. So, you know, the people may change and sort mm-hmm. of like the policy priorities may change, but it's nothing that you can't get educated on and hop right back into. Mm-hmm. Um, Hmm. For these reasons, I think it's a terrible thing to devote yourself to long term because it's kind of unchanging, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I interviewed this guy Scott Lay. He is a good friend, cool guy. He runs a um, he was a like a high powered lobbyist for a really really long time, mm-hmm. and he you know one day he was just like fuck this this is too much stress. I'm always traveling. I'm done with it. It was kind of done with him too. Um, but it turned out, I think, to be a blessing because he kind of had this cachet in the political industry here in Sacramento. And he just started writing this newsletter called The Nooner because it came out at noon. Yeah, okay. And it was probably the – it is, I think, probably the best analysis for what's really going on inside the Capitol. The, and he would do it every nooner. day? Every day. Monday through Friday? No, he doesn't. No. He, seven <laughs> days, he doesn't take Sundays off. He doesn't even take Sundays so off. So he, he wakes up and tries to get this thing out by noon that same day? He wakes up 5 a.m., starts writing. And what if at 5 a.m. he's just taking in info from the previous day and yeah. synthesizing? Yeah, and basically. Is it long? Yeah. It's it like, is. yeah, it's real long. Interesting. So, but it's his profession. It's what he does for a living. So the, the premium subscriptions are 50 bucks a year. He's got something, he's got thousands of people subscribed to it. Uh, and then he also, because it is an insider political uh, newsletter, he has uh, advertisements. Uh, then like his subject line is brought to you by this lobbying firm. So he's, you know, obviously, you know, so if you're going to the Capitol to work, you're subscribing to that. You know who Scott Lee is. Yeah. yeah. And you're sub- in. Yeah. So, I mean, and he's, he's a lawyer. He's super smart. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of like kind of a spicy, fun, funny individual mm-hmm. over time as we, you know, uh, I'll, spoiler alert. We didn't get over time. We just kind of didn't get along. He's just kind of a sensitive guy and I liked pushing his buttons mm-hmm. on, on the air. Mm-hmm. So we, we called it quits, but <laughs> I, um, I really enjoyed pushing his buttons, which was probably my bad. Uh, really? Yeah. I, I was, you know, I just, I, I was like, why are you so serious? <laughs> you know, like why are you so sensitive? But uh-huh. anyways, um, so anyways, um, we, so how did this turn in? So so you interviewed so Scott Lay because this, you were just interested in him, and no, then you I just started. Want, I just wanted him? to interview him once, at least, because I knew he was like. A, I just wanted to interview him once because it was cool to me to see how he turned 
you know, sitting in his living room in his underwear into a job, right? Yeah. Like right, cranking out this newsletter. Yeah. And I mean, he's like a, he's a legit influencer. I mean, like, the, like my understanding is like the governor and several state senators are like, Hey, will you please write this angle? Because I need, I want other people to read about it like this. He's like a legit influencer. Whoa. Yeah. So, uh, just an interesting guy, smart guy. Yeah. Um, wanted to talk to him and I was like, and he really seemed to enjoy it and we had good chemistry on the mic. And so after he did it the first time, I was like, Hey, you want to do this like every week and we'll just go over what happened that week. We can interview state senators. You can maybe bring in some sponsors since you already have sponsors for your newsletter. I'll do the production. You just bring in the analysis and let's go, you know? And I kind of had to like call him. How many years into the podcast were you? I was about a year. How many episodes had you done before? Like 40 episodes, something like that. And those 40 were all just like your BJJ guys, music, whatever. Yeah, the the BJJ thing had its separate channels called Life and Jiu-Jitsu. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, More or less 40 40 just people around town. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, hey, do you want to do this? And he was like, "Uh, sure, fine. So we did one. It it went well. And then... over t- we did we must have done like 50 or 60 episodes together yeah. so we, we're we're together for like six months how, something like that how often every week once a week yeah which is tough right to, to yeah. see everybody to see another guy on you know on the on a you know and then to see another guy like on a on an appointment like that and i'll just tell you what happened i mean he he's very he's very clear about it too you know um you know we're both um it, i would i would just kind of make fun of people that yeah. he considers like good friends Oh, yeah. And so he, and you know, like I, you know, we were doing this, you like, I pissed him off. <laughs> I pissed him off for sure. No, dude, I, dude, I mean, go, go back. It's Sacktown Talks on YouTube. Look up one of the specific episodes. <laughs> look up one of the What a Week episodes where, look up one of the, some of the What a Week episodes where, mm-hmm. where Scott and I were just talking. Mm-hmm. And I would have, like, I would be, like, out to lunch, like, in my little corner of the universe, which is right by the Capitol. And I'd have, like, lobbyists be like, dude, you're, like, really getting under Scott's skin. And they're like, thank you. I can't stand that motherfucker, you know, Ooh. or like, you know, but I think part of the problem was that I was right about a lot of these, you know, and obviously he was right about a lot of things too. Yeah. Um, he was right about a lot of things too, but you know, he's supposed to be the lawyer. I was also just right about a lot of things. Yeah. I was like, like a criticism or like, or something that really gets under your skin. It only gets under your skin because there's some truth to it. Uh-huh. Right. It only gets under, like if I called you, like if I called you something that was just totally divorced from reality, you'd be like, ah, oh, he's just crazy. Right. Yeah. But if I said something to you that was maybe, well, a it little depends bit, how sensitive you are. Too, yeah. And you know? I, but it was never yeah. attacks to him personally. Yeah. It was just like, man, you know, like a lot of you liberal elites can't, you know, just like the, the sickness of the capital society, you know, like the sickness, you know, the, the, the way that they, that they really turn their backs on the people that they're most supposed to be helping. And I don't want to get too much into, into yeah, politics, yeah. but, um, but just like the, I, I was so, landing some, I was landing some good criticisms okay. there. And he was, he was just like, man, I'm like, I think for him, it was starting to detract from his brand value rather than enhance it. Yeah. One, because I was, <laughs> I was right about a lot of these things. And two, because I'm kind of crude, like, you know, here I'm, I'm not dropping as many curse bombs cause out of respect to you, but if you really get me going on my mic in my house and in my element, I'm crude. I am exceptionally crude. Uh-huh. Um, and he was like, you know, and then like, there's like lobbyists trying to listen to this at home uh-huh. on the speakers and like their kids are running around. Sure. Like, so, so, okay. It, it so, just didn't, it just didn't work out, but yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So I just want to keep this time frame going with yeah. the podcast cause I'm interested in yeah. it as I'm doing this podcast. So. 40 or 50 episodes with Scott now. Yeah. And it's about a hundred episodes in. So a hundred episodes in of yeah. Sacktown talks. Yeah. The first half was a completely different brand. Yeah. A completely different take. Yeah. We just shifted. Right. You just shifted. Yeah. Did you rename it? No, no. Same name. And then you had this falling out with, with Scott. I just want to say, I think we're still buddies. Like, I think, or like, you disagree. Yeah. We just, yeah. Yeah. I think we're, I think we're still okay. 
Um, and so now it's it's done, and and you're you're no longer a part of it. Well, so you know, so what happened was in one of the people that turn this we, light on. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, one of the folks that we interviewed with Scott, and this was a lot of the value that Scott just knows everybody in town, and I I just want to be clear. I. I have like little disagreements with like some of his like policy viewpoints on some of his life philosophies. And I think that maybe he can't see the forest for the trees, but these are just like minor, like in my heart, like in my heart, these are like little political disagreements. Mm -hmm. I think the world of him as a person, you know, like in his heart, I know he has a decent heart. Yeah. You know, I I I wish that was the message for everybody. Yeah. I I think that he really like would disagree on these. When we would have these disagreements, I think he like really took that like as a personal, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And like, man, we would like get on instant messenger and kind of razz each other, but it was all from a place of love until I hit him with like one razz. That was like a little bit too harsh. Yeah. And he's like, fuck you. I quit. I was like, okay, man. Like, (laughs) you know, I I thought, but on the, on the instant messenger. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I fuck you. I quit and I'm starting my own podcast. I'm like, go ahead, Scott. Like, you know, it's all like, it's all good. Like it's, you know, we're not making any money from this. Have you taken the big five personality? Oh yeah, I'm like the red hot one. I'm You're like, like, the, um, I'm like there's the, one that doesn't avoid confrontation. No, I'm like the one that seeks confrontation. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, but you know, but he is still like we're both fiery individuals. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you need your own podcast, man. Yeah. So I, I, I just thought, but like, I didn't. I thought it was all good. I thought it was all love until I realized like he was kind of upset by some of the things that I said. But I was like, well. Why do you get to be upset about these things? But I'm not equally upset. You know what I mean? Because you're more sensitive. You're right. You know, because you're more upset. That means you're right. But like when I look back on it, huh. like my association with him, like I took more out of it than he got out of it. If I'm going to be honest, like it's like like when two fam- when two rappers beef, the, the rapper that got more, more famous out of it is the one that won. Like uh-huh. he I like he I got to use this platform for six months and people know me for it. And he didn't charge me a cent. You know, I mean, like, and I, I hope that we can, you know, that we can still call each other friends because, like, in my heart, I think that's a really exceptionally decent dude, a tremendously smart guy. Uh-huh. Uh, we just have these, like, minor dis- we just have these, like, minor disagreements, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, so, what, so. Oh, okay, so wait, so, after so how he we transition? Quit, yeah, so after he quit, was it, that was the no, last after, episode After he quit, I was like, man, well, can I really do this on my own, you know, because he has, like, he had, like, all this cachet. And I was like, can I really do this on my own? Um. What's, what's what, cachet meaning? Cachet just means like kind of like he had like this like jizz to throw around. Like he had like he people knew who he is, you sure, know. Sure. Um, so so one, one of the people that we interviewed was this guy Russell Lowry, right? Another person I wouldn't get along with. This is a theme. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just I just need my own I just need my own space. Right? I need you my do, own venue. You do. So you do. Um, so Russell have you runs, always been like yes. pretty opinionated? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Debate. Take no, 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 nothing like no, that. Though. I, no, just I, opinionated. Yeah, just opinionated. But um, so Russ was uh, he was the lobbyist for PG and E years and years ago, mm-hmm. and he did an episode. He came on and did an episode with like what's wrong with California's electrical infrastructure, especially mm-hmm. in in the era of wildfires. Mm-hmm. And he just like broke it down, man. Like you almost kind of like after you listen to that episode, you like really see things from the PG and E perspective. They're not they're not necessarily the bad guys that people make them out to be. Hmm. He really laid out like a well reasoned, smart, and articulate case for the PG and E side of things. Mm-hmm. And now he runs his own. Um, you know, you're the PG and E lobbyist in the Capitol for many years. You have quite a bit of like influence and cachet, and people seek you out. So he started his own public affairs firm. People 
contract him to influence opinions on certain key issues. He's like a lobbyist before the public opinion. Instead of like, uh, instead of lobbying elected officials, he lobbies public opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, you know, Gibran, this is a tremendous thing that you have here. Like, um, the Capitol's listening. We know that the Capitol is listening. Um, wouldn't you want to move the studio out of your house? You can bring it into our office. The office was in the Senator Hotel right across the street from the Capitol. Uh, we'll use my staff to bring the senators in. We'll use my staff to do all the production. All you have to do is come in and talk. And, you know, when we get contracts for public, you know, when we get public affairs contracts that come out of it, to the extent that coming on Sacktown Talks how, is a part of How did that of the, feel in your gut? Like when you, it, felt, it felt good. But really? he, Yeah, it felt good. Uh, but I just wanted to see, you know, like little things, like every little thing was wrong, you know. Well, just let me let the story unfold unfold here because it felt good initially, and then there was just like these all these red flags that kept coming up, right? There's all these red flags that kept coming up. He's like, you know, we'll give you an office. We'll, you know, we can use my staff. We can do this. We can do that. And the red flags that that kept coming up was like, you know, I thought we were gonna have my own office because I have like twenty thousand dollars worth of studio equipment, right? And he was like, oh yeah, you're gonna set up in this corner of my office. I'm like, well, if I, you said we're going to use, yeah, I'm going to get an office here. Like, not that I need an office for my, my ego, but I don't want people going in and out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, you know, and then he showed me this like office suite and acted like it was his. Is this before the, the breakup with Scott? This is after the breakup with Scott. Okay. Yeah. So, he so were sh- you going to take the, the Sacktown Talks name? Yeah. I mean, it was mine. It was my thing. It was your thing. It was my thing. Yeah. That's it was right. always mine. So, okay. Okay. Uh, he showed me the suite of offices. Yeah. Dude, these guys are professional liars, man. He showed me the suite of offices. It's like this, like, there's like five offices, right? Uh-huh. And he showed me around and acted like they were his. Uh-huh. And in reality, he's like renting out one little office and there's other lobbyists there. Uh-huh. And he, like, it's just all kind of like, just kind of smoking, you know, this. Yeah, yeah. And then um, he was like, well, we can use my staff. And I was like, so I'm like, okay, I was telling the staff, this is how we want to do it. This is how it's produced. This is what we're going to do. And he's yeah. like, well, you have, and he's like, well, you, you can't really tell my staff what to do. That's my staff. And I was like, well, to the extent that it's going to turn out my product, it's, you know, like just little disagreements, you know what I mean? Uh, and then he kind of wanted to express some art- some artistic control over, you know, like over... Well, that's why I asked you how you felt in your gut. Because as soon as you're like letting somebody else in on your your creative project, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're vulnerable to as people's like... Especially if they're giving you an office. Yeah, you know, he didn't, he didn't really... Um, well, the office thing was like he never really got out of that office, right? He didn't have the resources to expand to a second office. Maybe he did, but it didn't look like it at the time. And just a number of things that he said were going to happen never quite panned out. And then we had like these differing views on like when exactly I would get paid out, what the, you know, just like the particulars of running a, a show like that. But yeah. by this point, like a lot of people in the, in the Capitol were listening. And I was just like, God. And then it was also becoming less fun. Okay. And this is really, this is really why I was like kind of over it at one point. It was just becoming less fun. What had happened was that the, um, the folks in the Capitol, um, kind of knew me from like me and Scott and it was just two buddies talking at the time. Right. And, and I really enjoyed that. Like I, I really, I really miss talking with Scott. Like I said, I think he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, but when it became just me and then Russ, Russ was trying to turn this into a tool for like a public affairs firm. So it had to be like, you know, no more, no more F bombs. And I'm not that emotionally attached to F bombs, but it was like, this is going to be more like a prepared interview. He just kind of stripped away all aspects of personality to it. Um, and I was like, well, this is no longer fun. You know what I mean? This is yeah. no longer fun. And then I had somebody that was like scheduling for me. So they, I think the the elected officials that came through, they didn't have like Scott Lay emailing them and be like, hey, we're kind of doing something kind of fun and quirky and new. We're just going to have a conversation. It was more like from my scheduler to their scheduler. So it was kind of like buttoned up and they came in with like a prepared list of questions. We'd really like you to ask us this. And I was like, well, this is no longer fun. 
this is no longer interesting. I'm not, I don't want to like interview you for an hour to put shine on you and for you to like for you to like look good for an hour and I'm not even really getting paid off of this thing. Like, why would I do that? Why would I spend my time? Why would I spend my time like that? You know what I mean? It was a totally not a, different. It's a totally different project. product. Yeah, yeah. you've seen yeah. it on Insta. You've seen it on yeah. social media lately, right? Ooh, the so, the Sacktown talk. Yeah. Well, like, I now listened, the, when we said we were gonna talk, I listened a little and bit. It's not, this, and it wasn't. We weren't on there, and yeah. I was like. What's going on? Yeah, so it's just a different project. It's just a different. So, yeah. uh, Russ was finally like, Russ was aware of the fact that it wasn't working, and he was like, "Well, how much to just buy the name off of you?" Mm. And I was like, "This much," and he's like, "Deal." Mm-hmm. So he bought he bought the social media properties associated with Sacktown Talks, and mm-hmm. he's using it as a platform to mm-hmm. uh, highlight um, to, to highlight what his. What an pump. interesting so, story, man. Yeah, but I mean, it was cool because I mean, yeah, I, I sold really, the you know I sold the podcast. You yeah. can say that they did that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I uh, and now you get to start on doing what you want. Yeah, so the do new again. one is Jabron's yeah. place. Yeah, um, I'll probably still. I mean, I obviously, you know, spent seven years working in the capital. Everything nowadays seems to be politics. I don't want to get into politics here, but it's obviously like front and center of everything going on. So I'll probably do some politics, some martial arts, um, and then I think you know like what we were talking about was I can do the sort of like the Joe Rogan or the Oprah or the Ellen thing where it's like, you know, it's just a, I can just do me. Right. I had, um, William Berg on here the other day. Who's like an author. Okay. Just written six or seven books about the history of Sacramento. Oh, cool. People like that is, I'm interested in, in talking to history, people, philosophy, writers. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking about, I started with music because that's the one thing, kind of like you with politics and BJJ. Yeah. I can talk it, you know? Yeah. I'm comfortable talking about it. But sitting here across from someone and having them teach me something. Yeah. And just like shutting up for a minute and like trying to learn from this person and doing it publicly. Yeah. And yeah. people will, will, who knows if they start listening or not, but yeah. it'd be cool if they did, right? And yeah. to be able to do that, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Like to learn in front of people. Yeah. It, that's what Joe Rogan's doing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it, and it, I'm I've I've been a fan of Joe Rogan since he first started. I'm sure you have, right? We yeah. had Jamie. Like, he's the guy. I mean, he's he's the, guy, he's, right? the, he's the influence. And they were way different. They were way different in the beginning. He's changed as a human like, mm-hmm. drastically. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's what interests me a lot about. So this, I mean, this this able this ability to have a conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lost art nowadays. You know, it's like we're it not is. checking our phone here. It is. I uh, do you like one on one conversations? Are I like the one on one. I like I like the. I like the one-on-one. I kind of like the group too. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, and you know, right now I feel like I'm kind of dominating the conversation. So I'm sorry about that. I don't want to like talk over well, you. Well, I think that's you know that's that's what that's fine. That's totally fine. Okay. Um, no, I I really enjoy I really enjoy it. Um, what I love about a podcast is that you can take your feet. It's portable. You can take your feelings with you across time, right? Mm-hmm. So like, if I were to like write. Oh, a, I got a question for you. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Do you ever worry about something you say and then you're going to be judged on the morality of the future? I have no reputation to protect. I, I mean, I've been fired from every job I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I've, um, I work for myself. Mm-hmm. What's there to, you know, like I'm not cancelable. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. like, uh, you don't think so? The days of me, I'm self fun like the days of me seeking out work for other people, from other people, the, the, like, the days of me like reporting to work here at 9 a.m. Blah, uh-huh. Over. It's uh-huh. over. Uh-huh. You know, I work for myself. Uh-huh. Um, my jujitsu students don't. I mean, you know, I, like, I guess I, guess I don't because I don't, I don't see where I'm like out of line morally. You know, like I'm not racist. I don't have any, like I don't have any of these like, 
I, I like what what's there who could be upset at me <laughs> who could be Scott mad at Lake. yeah who could be mad at me what did i ever do you know i don't know like all i'm sure plenty of people could be mad at me but all all I do um think, i mean it's a paranoid thought but i do I'll, think I'll that, cross the, that bridge our, when i get to yeah, it obviously but the morality landscapes shift yeah. they shift fast no yet time there, like, i mean two two answers to that one is and this is really this is really where um getting married has helped me in a number of ways but one is just I married an awesome individual and I married mm-hmm. an awesome woman, uh, mm-hmm. Haley. Um, she does BJJ. Yeah, she comes. Yeah, yeah. She, she's she's actually really talented. But I was like, you know, I think I'd like to work, to work for myself. I'm not sure what I want to do. Um, but I think that I want to start developing my own projects and kind of telling her this? Yeah. You told her this? Yeah. And she's like, well, start with the podcast. You always wanted to do a podcast. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, I just don't know how it's going to work out. Like, what am I, how's it going to make money? How am I going to, you know, sustain myself? Mm-hmm. She's like, she just said, follow your heart. Good things will happen. Mm-hmm. She just said that. She said, follow your heart. Good things will happen. And um, what came out of that really was like with the, with the podcast, you know, when I do my podcast, it's a audio and it's a visual, it's an audio and it's a video as well. Mm-hmm. So it's audio video, just like Joe Rogan does. Um, and then what that, gives me is something to share on social media uh-huh. like the video yeah and over time like the some of the you know like i just got done completing a video for a political client uh-huh. for like a political engagement video like yeah. a like a political the voiceover thing well it was a voiceover i also did all the editing mm. i did this i helped with the scripting i helped with the storyboard mm-hmm. um top to bottom it was a full video project for so she said follow your heart yeah but i mean you know like nobody knew I could do video editing until I showed the world that I could do video editing, you know? And then, so I've done video editing. I've done coaching on public speaking for like some of the lobbyists that have let me like, Hey, Jabron, won't you show me how to do, you know, how to do up. I want to do my own updates. Yeah. Might you, might you show me how to do some of this? And what do you know? Like work has sort of work like before where I was like getting fired, not really getting fired from jobs, but just like slipping through the cracks or failing to find advancement. Uh Um, you know, when I started putting myself, my true, my genuine self out to the world, people started finding me. Like, hey, would you work with me on this? Hey, would you work with me on that? Hey, will you tell me about what you might be able to do on this project? That's cool. It's just worked out so, you know, and so... Um, That's super cool. So the the public affairs website is storytellersca.com. Storytellersca.com. We help you tell your story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I have is a, uh, is a network of sort of creative individuals that I work with. And whether it be photography, whether it be video, whether it be podcasting, whether it be issue framing, public affairs, um, we anything that is involved in that niche of telling a story, mm-hmm. influencing a narrative, um, storytellersca.com. You know, so I, it's it work has come to me over, over the years, just as people's like, hey, you know, might you might you be able to do this for me? Yeah, it's been tremendously it's been tremendously successful, mostly because I haven't take i haven't bitten off more than i can chew it hasn't like it's not a full-time job work just comes occasionally which is actually really really perfect for me because jujitsu you know isak bjj is my one of my main sources of income and then you know what do you know like Haley's dad uh, i had him on a podcast and he has since like followed my podcasting career if you will and yeah. he's like you know um might you do some consulting for my company Mm-hmm. And then over time, like that portfolio has grown as well. Where yeah. It's like, you know, I was just doing these little snippets for him. I was just doing these like little one-off multimedia projects for him. So yeah. You know, something to share on the Instagram. I think it's and that then, idea of like closing a door. That It's so true. When you close a door, like so many more are going to open to you. You know, they have this saying. I think, I'm not sure who said it. It was one of the fighters on the Rogan podcast. He said, your new life will cost you your old one. 
that's like the phoenix that's yeah. like that's like the metaphor of jesus christ dying you know yeah i mean like the like the things that i said on that political podcast i am not going back to work for an elected official uh-huh. that's damning damn uh-huh. it you know what i mean i didn't yeah. say anything bad i didn't say anything homophobic misogynistic racist nothing yeah. like that but i was just saying like these are people you know i was just like questioning their their integrity right yeah so I'm not going back to work for an elected official, which is what I used to do. I, I, I affirmatively closed that door and I didn't know what was on the other side, but I knew that, hey, I can make a little bit of money with ESAC BJJ. I'm married now. There's two of us. You know, you don't have that. You don't have to like do it all yourself. I think there's something to this video making. I think there's something here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just like, yeah. so like I just had this confidence, like it's going to work out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that poverty mentality that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. That comes from that, like that poor immigrant type of mentality. Yeah. I was able to escape that when, you know, I mean, uh, Haley was like, you know, I'm, I, I work between the two of us. It's going to be okay. We're not going to starve. If you need to take wow. it, if you need to take I'm it, in. you need to take a yeah. year and figure out what's really going to work for you. You know what I mean? I, you know, so, but I affirmatively closed the door on civil service. I affirmatively closed the door yeah. on working for an elected official. And I wasn't sure what was on the other side, except I knew I wanted to do ESAC BJJ. And I knew that like this multimedia consulting was, was, uh, was cool. Was I could be in charge of my own products. I could inject some of my creative, my creativity into it. Mm-hmm. And I could kind of like make my mark for it for myself, right. Instead of for other people. Yeah. But yeah, yeah your new, your new yeah. life will cost you your old one. I like and th- that. Dude, this yeah. is anything that you want to do too. So, I mean, you know, I have, you know, when people come through my, my jujitsu, my jujitsu sure. school and I say, you know, um, um, I drink too much. I smoke too much pot. I, I, I uh, casually use hard and people, it's crazy, you know, maybe because the Rogan influence was too strong, hmm. but people will tell you what's wrong with their life. And they'll like, look to use jujitsu as a way to escape <laughs> that. They have the saying, wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. You take your problems wherever you go. Yeah. It doesn't like, you know what I mean? Just because you, you showed up yeah. at jujitsu doesn't mean your problems are over. Right. Right. And I don't have some magic wand. I don't have some magic wand to wave, to make you not a, fucking hardcore drug addict anymore uh-huh. right so if you want to use jujitsu as a as a way to positively influence the trajectory of your life right to stop drinking so much to s- stop smoking yeah. so much weed to stop watching so much porn to you know stop being a lazy unmotivated fat piece of shit in general yeah um guess what that new jujitsu life is going to cost you your old one you're going to have to put the whiskey down you're going to have to put the joint down you're going to have to stop going out to the flamingo house and doing coke in the bathroom till three in the morning, you know, so you can't get up for practice at 11 AM. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. So, you know, yeah, it is something to do. It's an aspect. It's an avenue to, 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 well, create, so a, to create a new way, but it's, we're talking about, you like, have to lose those old habits for, for the, something new. Right. Right. Totally. Totally agree. The groups of people that you're around to like when you're around, like you were talking about, hang, did you want to hang out with comedians? Yeah. Did you want to hang out with that that crew? Yeah. Did you want to hang out with people who are doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Like, those yeah. are two very different yeah. pe- types of people. You, you know you what? Know? The, the big thing, honestly, again, again, getting married. Huh. Just to, to answer, the, to talk about this aspect of things, for me, getting, yeah, yeah. For me, Why? getting married. Why? Well, what uh, did getting married have to do with? Because you're not going out to the choosing. bars till two in the morning. Oh, okay. Because you're not, go- you okay. know, what I mean, you're just okay. out of the mix, you know. And then, see, I never did that. You know, I never. Well, did Well, you know, that. I, I yeah. did that, you know, casually with my friends. I, I really enjoy just kind of like sitting down at a table and yeah. kind of maybe getting a little bit too drunk and hanging with my buddies and then kind of uh-huh. telling jokes and stuff. Uh huh. And you know, I can still do that, but I just don't do it as much. I, I was really lucky 
and I still, I, I personally still consider this as like a, as a source of pride or, um, I think a positive thing. Okay. I think increasingly people don't see it this way, but I married somebody with like really different core values and beliefs in me. Different. Yeah. And it's okay. Like I've learned from her and she's learned from me, you mm-hmm. know, um, she's, um, very dedicated to her faith. I'm a non-believer. Um, she is uh, very, she's very conservative. I worked for the Democrats in California to tell you where I am, although I've become more conservative as I've grown older, but originally it's like very, you know, very, yeah. um, so, so you, she has this like very like old school sure. conservative type of mentality. When you guys talk about these, these points of dif- of difference, how does that look? It just, just you know, it looks like, you know, I mean, we're married, so love comes first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's okay. Like oftentimes um, we find ourselves in disagreement, which it's okay. And oftentimes we find ourselves in complete and total agreement. Honestly, I've become more like her than she has become like me. Uh-huh. I've become more conservative and not, not to go into politics, but I've become more conservative just with her influence. But one of the thing, you know, one of the things is just like, and this is like conservative, um, that can have a lot of different connotations. Let me tell you what I mean. Okay. We had this like, um, we had this like housewarming party when she moved into my house in South Sac. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, I gotta invite twenty five people. I don't want it to be a lame party. I want to have like, I want to have people here that reflect my, you know, my social cachet, my social status. Yeah, so I gotta have twenty five, thirty people here. So I started inviting everybody. She's like, Yeah, I'm just gonna invite my three best friends. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna invite three people. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, I got mm-hmm. Lauren, I got Bianca, and I got mm-hmm. you know. Sandra. I can relate to that. You know, she's like, I'm just gonna yeah, invite my, yeah. three, my my three people. Yeah. And I had a birthday party here the other day. It was me, my one friend, and, and your other and friend. my dog. Yeah, <laughs> that was it, dude. So, like, things yeah. like that where it's, like, you know, when I saw, you know, Haley has, you know, 10 good friends. But that's, that's the that's, introversion, that's, extroversion type thing, No, too. she's an extrovert, man. She's, oh, yeah? Oh, dude, people love her. She, oh, she's funny. She's the life of the party. But just okay with... She doesn't want fake friends. Uh, she does not want fake friends, you know, and her faith, her are family. Are you okay with... I think I was, especially, well, yeah. what, you know, I mean, when I, I, worked, I, when I worked in politics, I worked in politics for seven years. I don't think years. that's something to be judged upon, you know, like being okay with fake friends. Cause oh. like we all need these networks Yeah. and we all kind of have these loose social ties Yeah. and you can only be truly like really good friends with probably three, four or five people. Yeah. 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 You know, I, um, I, um, Working in politics, I was like a lot more comfortable with that I'm than sure. I was before. Like that—that that yeah. was the whole that's game. That's the right? world. Yeah, it's like, that's yeah, the oh, game. this is my this is my friend for this. This is my friend. Yeah, for that. yeah. But also, I just wasn't that popular. If I'm going to be honest, I just, you know, I was probably working on the wrong side of things at the time. Um, not not to go too much into that, but I just wasn't very popular um, in, in the politics game. Um, but j- j- just just to really just to really go back to, to what I'm saying, it's like the people that you hang out with really determine you know what you're doing, right? Totally. Um, I just stopped, and I don't see this as a bad. Th- I stopped seeking out as many social opportunities. I stopped being more intentional about do I really want to go to these things? Do I really want to have these people here? Love it. And I think I coronavirus got, has done that well, for a lot of people. Coronavirus has done that it's for a lot helped. of people. Like it takes the pressure off your social life. Am I willing, am I willing to risk death to see this yeah, motherfucker? Yeah. Yeah. And the answer a lot of times is no. You're right? Yeah. For me, it's like less pressure, too. Yeah. Like Friday, Saturday night, what do I really want to do? You know? Mm-hmm. How do you, you really want to spend your time? Yeah. And maybe it is the death thing. Maybe it is like, oh, yeah, I could die in six months. Yeah. How do I want to spend this one? Well, listen, I mean, you know, so like with coronavirus hit. Um, Today is 20, what is it, August 29th? August 29th, 2020. So, um, 
No, but I, I just want to say that Haley was a tremendous influence in that shoot. Like, she really helped helped me start seeing, like, are these people really Well, I've heard you talk about her a lot. I mean, she's a fucking, I think every time I hang out with you, you bring her up. Uh, she's like, a fucking stem cell scientist at UC Davis. Her, her and her team have cured AIDS in six people. Wow. I mean, she, it, she's... Um, wow. She loved... She's, she's shown me love and graciousness and support when I was at my lowest... When I when I wasn't capable of loving myself, you know, uh, she said, "It's okay. I love you enough for the both of us." What you are know? those? Uh, what are those low points? Were those in the twenties? How old are you? Thirty. I'm thirty three. Those low points were like getting fired from my job, uh-huh. realizing I'm not as close to my friends I thought as I thought I was, finding failure to back to that not wanting fake fake friends. Yeah. Thing. Was that was that it? Was that it? Kind of. Yeah. yeah. You know. You really. I mean, especially you know. I, so I worked for the speaker of the house. So, which is, like, kind of, like, up there, right? Uh-huh. And then you realize, like, oh, you're kind of in demand socially. Like, oh, won't you, you know, hey, Jabron this, Jabron that, you know? It's like uh-huh. a communications director. Everyone thinks you're so smart. And then when you fall through the cracks, you know, a lot of times in, in Sacramento's, you know, compassionate cadre of, you know, socially liberal Democrats who are just think, you know, um, your your social status is your job status, right? So, if you're not, if you're not in a if you're not vested into power by being employed by a power center, if you're not, if you're not, if you're not, um, yeah, if you're not empowered by being, by being proximate to power, mm-hmm. you're just not as in demand socially. You know, it's like, you, you just kind of like, you realize the, the, those invites stop coming less. People stop checking in with you less, you know, and that, that was a hard, that was a hard thing to, but that's okay. Cause it came early in my life. Like that, that realization came early in my life. So I could kind of like adjust to it and realize that it's it's going to be okay, you know. That's a tough thing. Um, it's a very tough thing. That's a tough thing. It's like uh, there was this old mm. folk song that I was looking at, and it's basically describes someone who comes to town, and is like super popular at first, mm-hmm. super well received, and then mm-hmm. it, the the story doesn't describe what happened, but mm-hmm. then it just <coughs> turns and it's like you it's pretty, you got to go, mm-hmm. like you're no longer welcome here. Yeah. yeah. And that rejection of like. Yeah. Well, rejection of one person sucks. Rejection of like a vague veil of like, or like no, 30, but like a whole people. scene. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really that, tough. It's really, yeah. it's, it's really tough. But you know, I, I again. But it, you think it's true? You think it's a little bit of paranoia in there? No, just, it's true. I, it's I, true I, huh? I could not find a job. Um, but you know, it, a lot of it's just because like my core beliefs didn't line up with those people. You know, and so it's okay. Uh-huh. But like I look back on it. Yeah. And this is one of the things that Haley taught me. It all works out, man. It yeah, all like yeah, yeah. honestly, like you think about too, like where you're meant to be, yeah. like where you're really meant to be. Yeah. When I worked in politics, and maybe, and a lot of people have a better time navigating these things, right? And this is one of the like, you realize when you navigate around certain scenes, when you navigate around certain scenarios, whether you're meant to be there or not. Yeah, totally. Okay, totally. So, um, yeah, you know, in politics, sometimes people are coming after your job. People are undermining your ability to your integrity. People are undermining your honesty. People are undermining your competency. Yeah. Really because they're just, you know, they maybe want your politician to vote a certain way and they want to say that your advice is no good, but they're really coming after you, like after your fucking job, right? And you, com- that's interesting you say that. You feel it. You feel it, yeah. You, when you're there, you feel yeah. you, 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 okay, well, you're me, a better version of yourself. Let me just give you an example. Okay. Sure. Let me just give you an example. So, like, you get this like heavy, like this heavy, heavy issue, this heavy political issue, and there's all these business interests interests that want politicians to vote no, right? And the politician says uh, in meetings and in, and in, to lobbyists, I think I'm ready to vote yes. 
I've considered your side. I think I'm ready to vote yes. My staffer here has worked tirelessly on the issue, and I think I'm ready to vote yes. I understand your concerns, but in this, you know, here we depart. Like, and then so the business interest might say something like, well, I understand, and, you know, I'm sorry, like, poor little Katie or poor little Gibran. You know, there, it's, this, it's a very complex issue, and I think they're just very young. They're not up to really understanding everything that's going on here. And so they're trying to present this new narrative, but couched in that narrative is an implicit bias that you aren't up to giving good advice or an implicit bias that you're not smart. You, you know what I mean? That, yeah. that your advice was wrong. So, you know, they're just doing their job. They're trying to cast doubt. But in doing that, they're coming after you. They're going for your jugular as a staffer, as, as someone who... who how, how are they going for your, your job? Because a lot of times they're saying, like, you know, you know, they misinterpreted the data. Or, oh, they like, uh, weren't smart. You know, like, oh, like, they just, they're in over their head. They don't really understand what's going on here. Like, oh, bless their heart. You know, they're really hardworking, but I think this is just a little bit new to them. Mm-hmm. But they have all these, like, code words to kind of, like, couch doubt into into why is that so powerful why uh, casting doubt well doubt i mean doubt is one of our well you know everyone doubts themselves you know guilt too right yeah but i guess what i'm saying is like people will go after your jugular in politics all the time it's nothing personal it's just what you it's just you know what i mean yeah but whenever i would come upon one of those scenarios i would feel so personally attacked i would feel so like personally attacked and insecure and i just i never got past those feelings of like man i'm not really sure i really know how to navigate these waters you know what i mean but you've definitely got past those feelings well now because i'm just not in the scene anymore or you're, you're i'm just not in the scene anymore you know what i mean so that's what you're talking about this is what i'm talking about being out of that circle being out of that circle you're no longer insecure about whatever it was yeah it's i will like, just let me get let me let me draw the metaphor let yeah, me sorry it's yeah, an extended yeah, yeah. metaphor but let me let me let me finish the, the metaphor here it's like um when i teach my jujitsu classes i'm not a black belt yet i'm a brown belt Mostly it's because I've skipped around. Like, I found a new mentor, and I'm trying to get my black belt under this one guy who's really prestigious, Elliot Kelly. But I've, I've taken a long time to get my black belt. Um, I haven't won any major titles. I'm not particularly, like, a celebrity in jiu-jitsu culture. I don't really have a name in jiu-jitsu. I just know that my jiu-jitsu is really good. And if you have a problem with my jiu-jitsu, I'm glad to fight you over it. Like, I'm glad to spar over it. Like, mm-hmm. But, you know, when people... When I, I hear people... You know, because I opened a new academy in town, so a lot of people might feel like... Oh, you're taking students away from me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, you're learning from Gibran. What does he ever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When people try to sew down, and like, and I've, no, I've known, I know for a fact that people have messaged my students and said, hey, why don't you come train over with me? I'm an actual black belt. I'm a world champion. You know what I mean? And I got to tell you, those feelings of doubt and insecurity in this aspect in jujitsu, I don't have them at all. Yeah, I don't have the most like, oh, yeah, you know, that probably just reflects worse on them yeah. than on me. I know because you're aware where you're, you're meant to be. I, I'm aware of the value that I provide. I'm aware yeah. of my own skill set. I have there isn't a single bone in my body that doubts that I am qualified to teach jujitsu, that I have a take on it that is like unique and innovative. Yeah. That cuts down on, lo- on a lot of the BS. And then I know how to like foster a really positive environment where, you know, like martial arts can oftentimes be like a cult type of thing. You know, what I mean, where mm-hmm. it's like people um kind of like lose their identity to the group you know what i mean i don't do that like i want it to be a happy thing i want it to be fun you know so i am like rock solid i have no my my confidence in myself to run a martial arts school is unshakable in the in a way that my confidence in myself to navigate political waters interpersonally in the legislature was very susceptible to being (laughs) shaken so you know i guess what i'm saying is like you know, as I, I look back, I was realized like, well, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? Totally. Totally. So, uh, you know, and I think people are struggle with finding that yeah. constantly. Like so many people are working jobs that they can't be themselves at, or they, 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so... Um, Imposter syndrome is huge. Have you heard of this? Oh, yeah. Imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still get that in martial arts a little bit. I think it's now it's natural to always kind of have a little bit of that, like yeah. Unworthy. Hey, l- yeah. Let me ask you something. How have you grown just from this project and from doing this podcast? Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, what, man, what, what like, have been the takeaways for you? Just what I learned from people. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just like uh, musically too. What I take most of who I've been speaking to are musicians. So ideas about how people are creative. Ideas about their process. Um, what inspires people. Um, patience with work, like speed at which you work. Cause I work really fast and I've been talking to people who work slow, like with their creative process and they let things simmer, simmer and like, yeah. so, so much stuff. And, and, and sometimes I'll go back and listen to them and like, you know, take notes and like implement it. Like I go back and listen to this, some of these conversations. So you know, at this point, they're just kind of for me. Like, yeah, right. I'm just kind of recording them, and we'll see what happens. Right? But like, yeah. like, do you need to make a dollar off of this? I don't. Yeah. Luckily, right? so yeah, so it's so it's been nice. It's been it's been cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the the workflow, you already understood because you're a musician. Yeah. Recording audio. Yeah, yeah. Recording audio is way easier than recording music, or recording spoken word is way easier than recording music. Is it really? Oh yeah. How's that? Well, when you're recording like acoustic instruments and you're going for, I mean, when you when you listen to a record, it has so much thought put into the fidelity of the record, like how the record is it feels, how how loud the bass guitar is, how what the vocals, what the vocal timbre is, like recording like it's an art form in itself, you know, and uh, I mean, recording audio, you get a couple of nice mics, you hook up the computer, it's you're good to you're go. good to go, yeah, yeah, so. Where does the um, where does the podcast go? Like, where does it go in terms of interviews? Where does it go in terms of personal development for you? Um, yeah, what's next for you creatively? In this with this podcast, yeah. For me, it's just being committed to doing them. Like, I think we kind of spoke about this about the podcast. Like, getting them, getting your getting your chops in. You know, you did forty uh, yeah before you started Sacktown Talk. So for me, I'm in that stage where I'm trying to figure out who I want to talk to, what conversate, what type of people I can have my best, I feel natural in, right? To, yeah. to go back to our, that other point where it's, I, dude, when someone sits, you can feel it. Yeah. When someone sits down and you know that you're not going to have good chemistry on the mic uh-huh. and you've got to keep it alive for an hour. Yeah. That's a terrible feeling. Well, I've had a couple of those, you it's know, a terrible feeling. And, um, it is. It's rough. So I'm be like, "Fuck! Get the fuck out of here! Get out of my house!" Really? No, I, I mean I've never said it's that. It's rough. Me, but you want to be like, "Get out of here!" If you didn't come here to talk, why are you even here? Oh, I haven't had that. Yeah. I haven't had that experience where they're not wanting to talk. Yeah. You have? I've done like 300 interviews. I so, mean, but but somebody came and just wanted to sit there. Kind of just silent or just like they're not. Even, maybe they get. Well, because from maybe what they, I've learned is like they get people. nervous or something. Oh yeah, I try to just like work through that. Help them. Help them. Yeah. You learn how to yeah. have conversations. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's the best, man. Well, tell me like, a little bit more about this. Right, right. And and taking it to what's funny too is as a host, you you're kind of in control. Even though like the other person is telling this this story, you can kinda of, like shape where you want it to go. Yeah. You know? Not yeah. that I need control, but I've noticed that you can kind of like No, but it's important. It is, yeah. If especially if you're trying to be consistent in your like 
the kind of stuff you talk about, I yeah. guess, too. Yeah. Which is something that I'm kind of trying to find. The voice of the podcast, if you will. Yeah, yeah. What's, you know? the, ne- what's the next step for your music? Well, so I'm recording. So Fontaine Classic is no more. So I'm just doing solo stuff right now. I think and that's just, really what you want to do, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. For years. It's hard to get four people. I mean, just schedule-wise. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to get four people with yeah. jobs and lives. Right, right. And again, you don't want to be shitty at it. So you, I mean, honestly, I, I don't. Was, you I don't want to be shitty at it. So it's like, hey, let's practice three times a week. That's don't that's, have time. Exactly. That was my problem. Yeah. 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 I wanted. I wanted way more out of it. I think, but now it's like, wh- what are you gonna do, Tyler? You gonna show up and practice, or yeah, or not? You know. So. Yeah, doing solo stuff is nice. Working at your own pace is nice. And being an entrepreneur, you you kind of in that your own little world. You're just like yeah, this is uh, this is this is when I'm creative. These are the I like to have coffee. I like to have my exercise done already. Mm-hmm. You know, so scheduling your day around when you're gonna be at your peak creativity mm-hmm. is super fascinating to me. Like, do you have a feeling like that? Like I'm gonna be most creative at one or two. Or totally. Something? Really? Totally. Oh, interesting. Yeah. For me, it's mornings. I'm a total like early bird, like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. Those are my favorite hours. Oh, good for you. I yeah. can't do that. Because I, like I said, I've never been like you know going out to bars. I've never been a late night guy. Like it's already getting late for me. You I'm know? a late night guy. Yeah, I'm those are two different guy. worlds, you know. And so you, you probably come alive like in the evenings and kind of get creative. Oh, dude. Like 10 p.m., 11 yeah. p.m. Right? Yeah. My thing is, I try to do a little bit of work before bed. Before bed. Yeah, just a little bit of work before bed. But see, that's interesting. So what's going on in your head all day? Because like... Well, so like I, my day will be like broken up. So like, for example, um, take like a Tuesday, for example. I have practice with my sensei, Elliot Kelly. And just to give a quick shout out, Elliot Kelly is like... I mean, you see, I mean, you, you, you see how I like when I roll with most... When I roll with people at the gym, mm-hmm. like... When I spar, like unless you are seriously trained, you have no chance in them. Mm-hmm. You, there's no, there's no chance unless mm-hmm. you are seriously, seriously trained. Mm-hmm. There's no chance. Like there's yeah, no, yeah. you know. I recall. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, that's just white belt. That's just white yeah, belt yeah, stuff. Yeah. But I mean, even all yeah. the way up to, I mean, there's only a handful of people. There's only a handful of people, sure. locally or in the state that can really. That's what's the cool thing about jujitsu is like you, you like it's real. Like it's freaking real. You know. Yeah. What I mean? Um, so yeah, I, so your like day any, on any Tuesday. Give, yeah, but I, I guess what I'm saying is like any given time, like I walk into a room, I'm probably one of the top guys there, and it's a good feeling, right? Yeah. Just jiu wise. Um, but on Tuesdays, I go to Elliot, and what I do to my white belts, he does to me. Mm-hmm. Even to this day, I've been I wrestled for eight years. I've been doing jujitsu. I mean, I've been grappling for 18 years. Just, I'm like a white belt to him. He just mm-hmm. fucks me. Like I think he could fight like two of me at the same time dude mm-hmm. like he but it's important to have that humbling experience you know what i mean yeah um yeah. so tuesdays at 11 i go and i get my you know i i get my car at 10 get my ass beat at 11 come back around one you know what i mean so i gotta go all the way up, up the hill mm-hmm. so maybe like i gotta get in the car at 10 maybe 8 to 10 i try to do two hours of desk work whether it be answering emails project proposals yeah work for clients so you're waking up at eight yeah something like not that. super late it's not super bad no um then, because I already did that athletic exposure, uh, uh, you know, in the midday, and then I have another practice coming at 6 p.m. that same night, so I have maybe three hours in the middle of the day where I can do desk work again and be productive for like, yeah. my clients or do creative projects. Okay, boom, I have three uh, three hours again in the middle of the day. Yeah. And then when I come back from jujitsu, I have like two hours for my wife, right? Like we, we make dinner, we hang out, we talk, sure. we watch a show. She goes to bed at 10, I stay up till maybe 2. 
Uh, so I have like three hours for myself again. Again. You know, so I kind of go in these intervals. Yeah, yeah. That's just yeah. my problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, things will throw a, things can throw a monkey wrench into it sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, well, I like the idea of lightning in a bottle too. Sometimes we're like, oh. if you can, if you can afford to have a a day where lightning in a bottle happens and you have the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that aspect of 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 waking up early, catching some sort of inspiration, and just like following that as long as I can before lunch it sputters you know? out yeah 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 that's yeah. a thing it yeah <laughs> it does it does it yeah. does but you have to catch that stuff um do you write uh you know i want to do some writing so the um let me do a, like a plug for jabron's place here real sure, quick sure um new podcast new podcast i sold like i said i sold Sacktown talks mm-hmm. the you know one of the things that really helped me grow east sac bjj yeah my, my brazilian jiu-jitsu school was um these jujitsu podcasts that I put out, I did like a hundred episodes of them life and jujitsu. It's still on, it's still on YouTube life and jujitsu. It's called. So you did and 300 sack town and 100. No, I did like 300 total, 300 like total. between all these other ones. Yeah. But I stopped doing life and jujitsu just because I didn't want to be confined to one subject matter. Yeah. And, uh, I have enough BJJ content out there that people can find me online, which is what I care about for my school. Mm-hmm. So when I sold sack town talks, I was like, okay, I, I want to keep podcasting. I know that I'm passionate about this. What's the, you know, you want to operate in the freest, most unconstrained marketplace, right? You think about um, Facebook versus Amazon, which is the better business to invest in? Well, Facebook sells ads. They, that's all they, they, they sell ads. That's what they do. They sell ads. That's it, right? Amazon sells all stuff. So which is operating in the broader, freer, and more unconstrained marketplace? Amazon. They sell stuff not just one little category of things, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does, but so, when you said ads, I thought, well, that's pretty all-encompassing, too, and it's yeah, all, in its I own that. way, I get if that. Amazon's buying ads from Facebook, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I but, get that, yeah. but um, just a little analogy. It, sure. it wasn't my analogy. It was from, uh, again, Chamath Palihapitaya. He's this um, sort of uh, thought leader. So but, um, how does that relate to the podcast? Well, it's like I want to be in the most freest and unconstrained marketplace of ideas. I don't want it to be politics. I don't want it to be jujitsu. I want it to be Jabron's place, right? Yeah, yeah. It'll be harder to develop my own audience because it's like, who's this Jabron guy? I never heard of this guy. But it'll be ultimately more rewarding. Um, it'll be a podcast. I'm also going to do some video, like some blog, like some vlogging, some video blogs and stuff yeah. like that. So like I just did this wonderful uh, hike to the Lost Coast. And oh, nice. For I've me, done that. Dude, that's hard, Did you man. go up the... Uh, the up t- the coastline from from the one point to the it's like thirty. We went miles. to the Matol River. We went to the Matol River to uh, to Shelter Cove. Was 20, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I know Shelter right Cove. Around thirty miles. Yeah. It was rough, dude. Dude, that area is beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's we crazy. we saw we saw a um, we saw a lot of animals like dead on the sand. You did I did too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just I, savage, yeah. dude. Nature's savage. Yeah. yeah. So, but for me, you know, I I just it was a new thing. I'd never been backpacking before. So like one of the things oh, I'm going to do for yeah. Jabron's place is I'm going to take my backpack. I'm going to like, I still have all the gear in it. I haven't cleaned it out. I'm going to be like, all right guys, this is a review of what worked for me and what didn't work for me on the trip. Mm-hmm. So just like a video blog type mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. element to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. There'll be like some of me like chatting with people, chatting with fans. There'll be some of me, like me doing the regular podcast. Yeah. But I also want to do some blogging. I also want to do some blog articles. Right. I, yeah. I, uh, I can write. I'm a, you know, oh, f- oh blogging. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'll, I just, that's why I took this little break in podcasting. So I'm kind of letting the creative process simmer. It's like, what is the content plan? What is the communications plan yeah. for Jabron's place look like? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm kind of taking some time to really let that simmer. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more time than I should. You think so? 
Yeah, but it's jabronsplace.com is the yeah is the new website. Well, you'll know when it's time to go. Yeah, you know? and you'll just start. Yeah, and then yeah. like the COVID hit right when I was getting ready to go, and I was like, uh, yeah, because I remember seeing one. Yeah, and I was like, ah, uh, do you want to come over? Do you not want to come over? You know, what I mean, so uh-huh. it's just kind of weird. Yeah, this has thrown a lot of people in the funk. Yeah. Yeah, I've been lucky to just kind of keep on cruising. Like I said, like as an introverted, more introverted type person, this is like business like as fine. usual. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which has been eye-opening. I've learned that about myself. Like I'm like, whoa, I'm like way more okay. okay with with this than I thought I would be. Cool, cool. I think a lot of I feel for the extroverted people who are like, you know, they need to get their energy from going out and partying. And yeah. Do yeah. you like that? No, not no, not really. I um, I am doing my classes against state health orders. Are you? Yeah, I am okay. running practice. Um, we're not making a secret of it. It's on Instagram. Yeah, you know, you're not we, alone either. No, no, I'm not alone at all. Um, I, I mean, the way that I saw it for myself was, if I for myself, if I get this thing, I have a one percent chance of dying. If my business goes under, I have more than a 1% chance of killing myself. That's so true. I have more than a 1% yeah. chance of killing myself. I have so myself. many people that agree with you. Um, and and not, not only that. Um, Wait, say that again? Like, go- if my business goes under, there's uh-huh. more than a 1% chance of me killing myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't hear that. Yeah. Um, there's okay. more. It goes up. Yeah, it goes up. But um, not only that. We're have, doing- you, have you dealt with serious depression ever? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah? Fuck yeah. Of course. Yeah, it wasn't, dude. It wasn't all. Yeah. Are you like genetically predisposed to it? Where like probably, it's been something uh, probably, in your life, or yeah. was it just because of COVID? Like, I don't, I don't know a lot of the people in my extended family. Uh-huh. I just know my mom, my dad, and, and a couple of aunts and uncles and stuff. There's no institution in my family, so it's hard for me to really know what's you know. What I mean, you know, when you said that, I was like, that's so true because my the institution in my family is my grandmother's kitchen. It's like a place in my mind too because yeah. I. You know, it just, there is, there's those buildings, those houses. You don't have anything like that where it's like, this is home. This mm. is where such and such live. Like, no, nah, we moved every year. Yeah. We moved every year. Yeah. Um, no, but you know, it was good. My mom worked her ass off to provide for us, to provide for two ungrateful children. Yeah. You didn't, yeah. Re- didn't realize until much later what a sacrifice it took on her part, you know, and like, and what, you know, now I think now I like I realize what my mom did to put my sister and I you know yeah. like through yeah. high school and college and stuff so with the depression thing keep going yeah. with that no, you, you know you I, think that you're I, you're born with that chemical imbalances yeah, and stuff yeah. yeah like everybody like everybody like I think some people have better mood swings than others you know what I mean yeah but I think that you know the the um, like I don't like my mom is prone to it for sure I'm probably prone to it for sure does it come on um, like once a year is it loud? I think that, dep- that, depends, that depends on everybody, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell you it comes on when I don't do jujitsu. I can tell you when it, it comes on when I don't fulfill my obligations to myself, right? Um, yeah. Th- there's certain, I mean, there's, and, and like a lot of this is not a mystery, right? Like, no, that's not a chem. I don't like, think that's a chemical imbalance. That's just like no, you not doing what you need to be doing. No, but you can feel, no, but a lot of this isn't a mystery. Like if you like seriously, like hardcore abuse, drugs and alcohol, if you have like a mental illness and laying in the background, it'll sort of, uncoil the dragon and wake up the dragon it's hard to put the yeah, dragon back yeah. to sleep so you know like a, it'll bring on schizophrenia for some people yeah like yeah. A, a mushroom trip or an acid trip yeah yeah crazy. so that's a lot of the reasons i don't do those things yeah you know yeah yeah um but you know i've seen my mom you just, think you're susceptible to it yeah absolutely wow. absolutely um and why but, do you why do you feel that way like because i can feel it you just i can know feel, your i can feel it in my head i can feel, feel it? it i can feel it in my head where it's like i'm tremendously sad for no reason 
you know i'm yeah, tremendously yeah. happy i'm like almost euphoric for no reason really yeah but for uh, no reason yeah a lot of times yeah like as i've gotten older um i've gotten better at recognizing my head playing tricks on me yeah. You know, and be like, well, you know what? The way that I'm feeling right now in my head is not a reflection of how I actually feel about myself. You know? Yeah. So, I think a lot of those things in your head are like, it's good to understand that they're finite. Yeah. Yeah. Like they don't stick around forever. Yeah. But I got to tell you, I, uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I think that's where the creativity comes from. That's where the passion comes from. 